Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad, and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way, and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I chat with US lifeguard and rescue boat captain Tim Gare. Tim talks about his lifeguard career and how COVID impacted the US over the last 12 months. Then later on, lifeguard Glick joins me for the first time in the shack with Beach Banner and I go to the mailbag to answer questions from the fans. Now let's have a listen to my chat with Tim. This week on uh, Life's a Beach in the Beach Shack, I've got uh, a US lifeguard who's got a fantastic story. Uh, welcome, Tim Gare. How are you, mate? Good. Thanks a lot, so much for having me, and I uh, appreciate your time, and I'm glad to be here. Oh, mate, it's, it's great you've uh, given up your time. And as you know, I've, I've been a, a professional lifeguard for 30 years now at, at Bondo Beach, so it would be good to uh, get into your story and, and talk about what it's like over in LA and, and all the years you've been working there. But I suppose we'll just start off with, at the moment, you're the rescue boat captain. So maybe we can tell the listeners a little bit about uh, what you do uh, in that uh, job. Yeah, sure. So my current position, I work for LA County Fire Department and uh, it's the lifeguard division. And what happened back in 1995, we were absorbed by our local fire company and the lifeguards were taken on. We're still our own division, but within that division, we have our beach lifeguards who work, you know, feet in the sand, and then we have a boating section. And so we both work under the lifeguard umbrella, but um, about, gosh, I think back in 2007, I kind of went down the road of working on the boats. And um, within LA County, we have six boats that work at any given time. Um, my current position is the captain of one of those boats. So it's a 32 foot um, rescue vessel that's propelled by uh, large kind of twin diesel engines. And we do everything from backing up the lifeguards um, on the beach. You know, if we get large rescues or what we call blitz rescues here in, in the States, you know, we have multiple people in a rip. Um, we can back the boat basically down into about five, six feet of water and uh, help the lifeguards. And besides that, we're out on the ocean a lot. Um, we do everything from EMS calls around the marinas, on other boats, in the water. Uh, we do a lot of boat tows. We have um, several harbors here in LA. So we attend to any broken down boats. Um, we also respond to dive accidents. And um, that's kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, obviously, uh Baywatch, are they the Baywatch boats? Because when I was over there, I, I met up with a guy, you might know him, called Shelly. He's retired now, but he's uh, was on the boats over there from for a long time. And he, he took us out on the boats and we actually took a, a ride down past Venice Beach and, and Santa Monica and, and all the way around, um, you know, the beaches to, to check it all out. And so is that the area that uh, that you're working yeah, that's right. So Shelly Shelley was one of my mentors. He's kind of a living legend around here. Um, he's since retired. 
retired probably from when you guys were out there. But yeah, so the Baywatch boats, actually the, the name of the Baywatch boats came first before the show as far back as like, the, I think it was in the 1930s. And they asked, they put the first lifeguard boat into commission and they asked uh, through the local newspaper, what do you think we should call this boat? And they said, and that was one of the choices because where we live is Santa Monica Bay. I don't know if you remember that, but LA, yeah. um, the major are kind of from Point Doom to Palos Verdes and it creates a large bay. And so the boat was named Baywatch. And uh, so yeah, Shelly was a mentor of mine and, um, and those are the type of boats I work on. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a great guy. Shelly showed us around and, that was really good. So, you know, you, you've been a lifeguard now for, I think it was since 1994. So maybe take us back to when, you know, you're a junior lifeguard and, and why uh, you wanted to end up making that a lifeguard career. Um, yeah, so I started on the beach in 1994 with LA County. And before that, um, I kind of grew up in, in the local Santa Monica, kind of Pacific Palisades area of Los Angeles. And... Um, I mean, kind of growing up, it was it wasn't really a question of if you were going to be lifeguard. It was when um, a lot of the a lot of my mentors who I swam with and my dad was friends with were all lifeguards. Down at a number of them were lifeguards at the beach, and it was just like, oh, when you know, when Timmy when Timmy gets old enough, he's taking the test. And um, my dad actually grew up in New York City and moved the family out to California when I was about five, and um, he was at first, you know. When we first moved to California, he was just enamored with the ocean and the ocean lifestyle and wanted to get me into surfing and boogie boarding and paddling and all those, you know, all those great activities that we do as lifeguards. And he was, he actually started swimming first. He never swam growing up, but when he came out here, he just got involved with swimming. And there was just, like I said, there were a number of lifeguards that also swam at our local pool. And so I did the junior lifeguard program and, you know, swam competitively growing up. Um, was able to swim competitively through our, you know, through university. Um, and so when I was old enough to take the lifeguard test, which for LA County is 18, you know, sure enough, I, I took the test and started working the beach. What does that test entail? So you have to wait till you're 18 before you can do the test and get through to become a lifeguard. So what uh, do you need to do in that test? Right. So a lot of the uh, the lifeguard agencies around here. So for us, we do it's 18 years old. All you have to have is a California driver's license and a high school diploma. Um, and then beyond that, it's a competitive. Swim. <laughs> so it's not a, not a whole lot to get in, but it is a competitive swim. Um, back when I did it, it was in, you know, kind of early springtime where the water was cold. And we have I think, you know, we've had we get anywhere from 150 to 300 people that come out and take the test annually. And um, they basically give the top hundred people um, an interview. And then from there, depending on how many people that I need that year, you go through an interview process and then we have our own training academy. And then how long in the academy? Cause that's something that we, we probably don't have here in Australia is that an academy side of things. It's, you know, they do the physical test and then we do the interviews and then we work out their experience and, and weigh it all up and see who would fit into the team the best. But tell us a bit more about the academy and how long does that run for? So the academy, um, right now we're getting our summer lifeguards in, um, you know, ready for the summer season. And we have two academies this spring. So we have one where we did it for 11 days and it's just on the weekends. So it's a, you know, it's from, it's basically a nine to six 
Saturday, Sunday, and it runs, you know, for 11 days, so five weekends. And then we have a second one we're giving, and it's actually two weeks straight through, Monday through Friday, and then a graduation at the end. Um, it's really, you know, just covering the basics of lifeguarding and um, a lot of county policy. And yep. uh, fortunately, we get, you know, through the swim test, we, for the most part, we get people that are comfortable in the ocean, that are typically good swimmers. And so they have that kind of head start going into the academy. Yep. You guys, you know, mainly look at the swimming side of things. We do as well. But predominantly, a lot of our rescues are all by the rescue board, you know, the board rescues. And do you guys use that a lot over there? Is it more the the, uh, the rescue boy? Uh, we tend to use the rescue buoy, or, you know, the rescue. We have a hard plastic one that we use for, I would say, 90% of our rescues around here. Yep. So that's a rescue can. Yep. Um, in some areas, we will, we will use like the soft tube, but honestly, we don't use the board that much, unfortunately. I mean, I think it's a great device. Um, some beaches, just it's just not applicable to them. Yep. A, lot of the, a lot of our can be on the inside. So, you know, grabbing a board and, and running down to the, the water when it's kind of an inside rescue wouldn't be necessary. Uh, but there are, and it's, you know, there's varying, I guess, how should I say, experts on the board we have some guys that are awesome and they surf and paddle and you know they could make rescues all day long on the board and other lifeguards just aren't that comfortable it's not you know i think through in australia guys have the nipper program kids grow up on you know the the nipper boards and then graduate to a 10-6 and they get so comfortable on boards where here it's a little different a lot of them at their first um you know their first time being on an actual paddleboard would be in this academy right on the uh, you know the early days when you were a lifeguard, you were you know working Venice Beach and, and Santa Monica. What was that like back in the day, like the nineties into you know the two thousands? It was awesome. I mean, I was younger then, and I think um, you know you have energy for days and uh, you know long days, and when you were in the water all day long and working with your you know your fellow lifeguards and making rescues all day long. I mean, that was just some some of my uh, most memorable times as a lifeguard for sure um there's a lot of like you guys know there's a lot of camaraderie yep. between the men and the women and um you know the day starts i always tell people the day starts well before you're on duty and it ends well after you're on duty it's like you guys know it's much more of a lifestyle than just a, a nine to five job um but venice is a classic beach i mean even on your slowest days you'll have you know interesting things happening where there's a there's a um pier there that's quite popular it's a fishing yep. pier so you get people you know swimming under the pier jumping off the end of the pier and then there's we have a kind of rock groins or jetties along the way and we have kind of a condensed um almost like an amphitheater of a beach there so we get the jetties create rip currents and for for summer swell it actually picks up a lot of our southern swells so working there in the summer we get a lot of activity um, a lot of fun rescues and um, long days and what size swell do you get? Like when it's on, it, it, does it get a good size through through there? Yeah, I mean, in this summertime, it, actually, Venice picks up a lot of swell. Um, the way that, the, like I explained, we're in this bay here in offshore. I don't know if you remember, we have what we call the yeah. Channel Islands. Yep. So different times of the year, the different beaches pick up different amount of swell. But Venice is kind of right in the middle of the bay. And it'll pick up swell and from, you know, summer to winter and, you know, good summer swell with, you know, six to eight foot. Yep. So, you know, kind of two to three, you know, two to three meter 
I would say. Yeah. And, you know, we get a lot of rip currents and um, we get a lot of inexperienced swimmers as well. So, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> As you do um, all around uh, all around the world, like us at Bondi, we get uh, plenty of inexperienced swimmers and and a lot of rescues. But uh, what do you think? Uh, thinking back, what's one of the best rescues that you think you, you've done, or or something that a real critical situation that you can tell us uh, about? Um, I you know I, I look back and I think some of the most you know critical rescues or, or rescues that people saw weren't necessarily my best rescues. Um, I have, I have, you know, a couple that stand out in my, in my mind were, um, at Venice one time, it was kind of late in the day and things were, were slowing down and we had some surf and, um, a daughter and her, her dad slipped out in a rip. And, um, in the evening, we kind of start easing back the, um, number of lifeguards on the beach. And it was about seven o'clock in the evening. And there was a pretty big gap between me and the, the lifeguard to my South. And uh, I remember kind of looking down and seeing them come out through the rip. And um, by the time I got there, the dad was kind of touching, barely touching on the bottom. And he was holding his daughter um, above the water. And, you know, I got to both of them. And uh, the guy working next to me, this guy, Luigi Damari, who now works for the fire department, you know, was right there behind me. And, you know, it's you, you get him back to the beach safely. And, you know, he, he thought he was, you know, maybe going to, that was the last time he was going to go swimming, but at the end of the day, they go home safe. And then, you know, you don't have that dramatic event, Yep. but if we weren't there, they, you know, those two for sure would have died. And um, there's a lot of rescues like that, but that's kind of one that stands out. And kind of one other one was on the 5th of July, 4th of July is one of our busiest weekends. And I was working up in Santa Monica and um, I was at the very end of my shift. It was getting dark out and, I kind of remember I was I, in my mind, I looked back on it and I did absolutely everything right. And I wouldn't have changed a single thing. I was, I was in the, the lifeguard truck at the end of the day. And uh, I was kind of guarding about, about a mile and a half of beach. And I was at the end of the day, we asked people to, you know, stay out of the water, come back, back tomorrow. The beaches are unguarded at this point. And um, I had one group that had been drinking all day and came down to the end of the beach uh, to the beach at the end of the day. And so I was talking to them and I went back to another section right by the Santa Monica pier and asked those people to leave. And then I did one more patrol back down to see the people who were drinking, make sure they were gone. And then I came back and I could have gone to the back of the beach where our headquarters is. Mm -hmm. It was dark out by this time. For some reason I, in my mind, I said, you know what, I'm going to take one more pass by the pier area. And by this time it was probably 8 It's dark out. And I had the windows down in the truck and just very faintly, I could hear um, a voice just yelling for help. And the beach was still crowded. And I'm sure you guys have experienced this where there could be someone drowning right in front of the public and they're totally unaware of it. Yeah, 100%. And, we get that all the time, yep. You know, so it's an interesting phenomenon where you hear someone you know, yelling for help and then everyone on the beach is just going about their day. Um, or, or evening for that matter. And um, I was able to, you know, kind of locate where they were. And that, I actually grabbed the paddleboard for that one because they were outside the surf line. I couldn't see them. I could just hear the voice. And one guy had slipped out a small rip and was on his way to drowning. And another guy went to help him, um, just a good Samaritan. He ended up almost drowning as well. Um, so, you know, when I look back at my career, and there's a 
a lot of rescues, a lot of different days, but those are kind of two that really stick out in my mind. I was proud of the job I did. And, you know, a lot of training, as you know, all the yeah. training we do is for that 1% of time. And, you know, those were two rescues that all the running, all the swimming, all the surf rescue work that had kind of, you know, come to uh, a, a positive point there for me. Yeah, definitely. And I think also, you know, people say, oh, it's a lot of that last story you just mentioned. They'll say, oh, it was luck, you know, all luck. But to me, it's not. It, to me, it's the lifeguard with the experience and, and a less experienced lifeguard potentially could have just driven away and not gone that, that last run down the beach. You had that in your head that, oh, look, I've, I'm just going to do one more run. And I think it's more that a lifeguard can understand and, and know when to be in the right spot at the right time, do you think? Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I think back to all the, you know, all the hours you, we spent in the water and then knowing your area. I mean, I always talk to young guards about that. So many of our younger lifeguards are think are, you know, right now are so excited to, you know, work one, one spot for a year and then work another spot for a year and do this and do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. We have a lot of um, great avenues you can go down with lifeguarding in the fire and with LA County Fire Department now. But there's something to say about really understanding your area and, you know, having it, you know, become your home and second nature and uh, spending time in the water and, yep. you know, understanding all the little nuances of that area being in shape, you know, all those things, I think, contribute to uh, much more than luck. Yep. 100%. Right. Now, I want to touch on, obviously, the world's been in shutdown and we've had COVID all around the world and... You know, we've been lucky in Australia. We've we've had a, you know cases, but but we've been able to shut the borders, and because we're potentially an island that we can uh, isolate, and uh, we're so far away from the rest of the world. But just give us an insight on you know how bad it it has been in the US, um, and also how did you guys deal with that within being a lifeguard? It's. I mean, I think it's affected different people differently. I'll touch on, you know, just kind of in the U.S. Um, I think that first three, you know, two or three weeks when things all of a sudden were shut down and people really didn't know what was going on. I think there was a lot of fear, um, a lot of unknown, a lot of what ifs. Yeah. And different people dealt with it differently. I mean, some people just totally closed up and didn't want to come out of their house. And, you know, other people were, you know, kind of ready to move on and, you know, kind of address it and really try to figure ways out and but it was surreal when everything shut down you know driving our busy freeways here in the middle of the day and there's i mean no one around so you know being a lot you know segueing into being a lifeguard our, our job never stopped you know there was never a day when they said hey stay home because everything's shut yeah and i think we handled it very well i'm really proud of the way our department and all lifeguards up and down the coast handled it here in California. Uh, at first, the beaches, you know, local municipalities were closing down beaches. So everything was empty. And we were basically just patrolling and making sure people were safe and, you know, checking in with lifeguards and making sure the lifeguard family was safe. Um, and when things started opening up, it was interesting because certain beaches opened up or certain counties opened up and others didn't. 
And it almost, in my mind, it made things worse because all of a sudden now you had like Orange County is to the south of us. And they were some of the first beaches. I don't, I think they were some of the first beaches to open back up. And now you have everybody that wants to go to the beach from LA County driving down to Orange County, you know, because they want to go to the beach. It was one of the only things you could do around here. And we're going into summertime here. Then another thing it did was pushed people out of our normal beach areas into these little pocket beaches they had which made for a stressful situation because all of a sudden now you had people walking down coastlines into little pocket beaches or, you know, areas that we'd never lifeguard right. um, um, and didn't happen there. And then eventually when things opened up, you know, the beach was one of the only things to do. It was the middle of summer. People were at that point, were kind of starting to want to get back out and be active, and, you know, see people and, not just be completely shut down in life. And we for sure had one of the busiest beach summers I've ever seen. I mean, there was kids weren't playing baseball. They weren't playing football. They weren't playing basketball. You know, they, they weren't going to volleyball tournaments. So everyone was down at the beach. Everyone was starting to surf. I'm sure you guys have, you know, seen. And <laughs> well, I think was, our, our, was, our ones, they sold out, uh, surfboards i think that many more people took up surfing is probably the same uh, over there in la yeah it's been crazy so and and it went from you know certain areas that were kind of busy weekend spots to seven days a week being busy right. and that's i'm proud of the job that the lifeguards did i mean there was there was never a chance and I, I think in a lot of emergency response jobs my wife is a doctor here in the yeah. states um, a lot of the guys I know who work for the fire department, the police departments and, and other rescue jobs, there was never a break for us. Yep. And I'm sure you guys have experienced the same thing. So internally or with, you know, with your own family or with, you know, your not just immediate family, but your extended family, your, your, my, you know, my parents are getting old now. There was never a chance for me to kind of slow down and digest that and, you know, kind of check in with them. It was, it was, you know, from day one, it was like, yeah, we're still going to work. We're still doing our job. We're still here for the public. Yep. And so I think we're kind of looking after each other now. Cause I think, you know, we haven't really, a lot of guys never had a chance to digest that. And fortunately um, our department stayed healthy. We did have a couple cases here and there, but um, you know, extended family people, we had people that passed away and, you know, some elderly parents, um, so everyone's affected in a different way, but fortunately, I, I mean, I've been very fortunate. So. Yep. Did you guys have to work any different? Like when uh, the crowds were coming back to the beaches, and was there any? Or you just worked as you normally did? You know, did you have to, um, to take uh, different procedures? Yeah, we definitely took different procedures. I mean, it seems like it was changing every every day. I mean, yep. we'd get an email from our health director saying, "Make sure you do this today," or "Make sure you wear these PPEs today," or you know, and as, as things, you know, become more and more understood, we're able to deal with that. But from the beach front, it was, it was interesting because they wanted us to wear, you know, on any emergency medical call, they wanted you to wear a mask, eye protection, a gown, gloves, um, and, you know, your, your normal face mask. And so the guys that were working the the guys and girls that were working the beach, you know, you all of a sudden you're just, okay, you want me to go into the water. At what point do you want me to take my mask off? You know? yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, now I'm face to face with, you know, a victim that's, you know, gasping for air and, you know, 
you, you're excited on a high level of, you know, stress and you're face to face with them on the water and bringing them back to shore. So uh, it was tough. I mean, I think the, the beach guards in particular were asked to do a lot during that period. You know, not everything was so clear. And um, yeah, that was an, another stressful situation. Yeah, that's right. And it, it shows the, um, you know, the, the resilience of, you know, emergency services, uh, not only in Australia, but the US and around the world. That, And we had the similar problem where the rules were changing day to day. So you're putting things in place, but then a day or two later, there'll be something new and you'd have to adapt to that. And I think it was very stressful for a lot of emergency services to deal with. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, you know, as, it was interesting as the beaches opened up, you know, people were some people were, Hey, I need to get outside. I want to go to the beach. And for a few weekends, the police departments were down there kind of patrolling the beaches and trying to keep people socially distanced. And I think I remember it was kind of mid May and we had, you know, a really warm weekend and everybody came. And I think the police, the the Saturday, they tried to kind of patrol and ask people to socially distance. And by Sunday, it was just, it was, it was on. And uh, (laughs) there wasn't enough time of the day to keep people apart and it was it was interesting <laughs> <laughs> well also you know you've saying you, you competed around the world and you've been in australia before so yeah tell us a little bit about that uh competing um, yeah so i you know through swimming um and and growing up in the junior lifeguard program here and my you know the support of my dad i learned and then there, there was a bit of a racing scene here. We have, you know, nationals. And back when I first started lifeguarding, we had, there was a, the Bud Light surf series. And it was actually, we had about 10 competitions throughout the, the summer. And um, it was pretty, you know, it was competitive for the States. And we had a couple guys that raced down there, Craig Hummer um, back in the day to the uncle Toby series. He would race here in the summer and he was at, he was actually my biggest mentor. Um, I met him actually a year before I started lifeguarding and, um, we would all, there was a group of us that would train in, um, Venice beach there on the board and ski. And, uh, Craig was a, you know, huge mentor to me and, um, we would go to nationals. And then from that, I made our national team. Um, I think we went to Durban Yep, was in 96, I believe. And, uh, New Zealand was in 1998. Um, and then I was kind of the right time, right place. Um, I was able, I won um, our Ironman at our U.S. Nationals in 1996. And that next year was the year they were having the Ocean Man series. Yep, I remember the remember Ocean Man all. series. Yeah, it I was remember. kind of, uh, so they had, you know, they, the most of the guys were in the girls were from Australia. They had a few from New Zealand. And then um, because I won Nationals that year, I was chosen as the U.S. representative. And I think there we had uh, German, a British team, Japanese, few other South African, New Zealand. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I actually lived up on the Gold Coast for four or five months and uh, got to live there and train with a bunch of the guys around there. And um, it was fun. I mean, as you know, the the level of, of uh, competition and the level of athleticism that these guys have is I mean, some of the top in the world. And uh, to get to compete against those guys was was an honor. I learned a lot. And um, so, yeah, and yeah. what a great way to see the world. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd, I've been doing a lot of work with uh, Craig Riddington lately, and I actually interviewed um, Trevor Hendy uh, the other week. So it was uh, that was probably about his prime around the early 90s, mid-90s. And, uh, you know, his son TJ is now coming through as well. So, you know, the, the, the Hendy name, I'm sure you uh, would have seen how talented he was. And, geez, there's a lot of um, Australians in that era that were, were good, the Mercers, and it was an amazing era. Yeah, all those guys were great to us. You know, we're traveling over there, and a lot of the things were new to us. And I, I mean, Dwayne Ties took me in. Um, he was a character, and him and Tracy. Yeah. Um, and Trevor was down at the beat. Um, he was very supportive and always a really nice guy. And uh, Darren Mercer and so many of those guys were just very uh, welcoming and and um, really good guys. And I learned a lot from them. Yeah, it would have been a fantastic experience in, in that time. And but what keeps you motivated now all these years to, to continue to be a lifeguard? Um, I mean, I still look at it as one of the, the greatest jobs in the world. I mean, you're gonna, you know, pay, at the end of the day, you're gonna pay me to be on the ocean or in the ocean or, or down at the beach. I mean, you're not gonna make millions off of it, but there's you know, there's a lot of other wealth in life. And it kind of goes both ways. I'm, you know, I love lifeguarding. I love the job I do. And at the same time, it motivates me to stay in shape and live a healthy lifestyle. And um, I think both of those kind of go hand in hand. You know, I've always kind of thought, you know, like I mentioned before, it's much more than a nine to five job. It's a lifestyle. Yep. And I've always kind of tried to keep myself in shape and, um, you know, taking my, you know, mental and physical health very seriously because I know at the end of the day, you know, the public's depending on me. And as you guys know, you could be the slowest day in, of the year and all of a sudden something happens and you have to be on your A game. And I was kind of raised that way. Like I said, I was raised with the, you know, these guys that work the beach and we had, here in LA, we have seasonal lifeguards. Yeah. So some of these guys, they might only work 10 days a year. They might work 150 days a year, but we had this interesting group that had kind of mentored with me, um, Craig Bonan, who invent, who was the one of the producers of Baywatch, he's I mean he's still a lifeguard. He's involved in our junior lifeguard program here. Oh, really? Um, the yeah. last four years, he's yeah, yeah. He's just he's looks as great as ever. And the last four years, he's been one of the main instructors up at um, up in Malibu for our junior lifeguard program. So guys like that growing up. Um, you know, I, I thought that was normal. You know, these guys, they all met at six in the morning to swim. They would swim for an hour and 15 minutes. They would all go to breakfast together and they would all go their way. Some of them were full-time lifeguards. Some of them were lawyers. Some of them were Hollywood producers. Some of them were, I mean, veterinarians. And I thought that was normal. Like I thought that's how you lived your life. So um, it kind of came naturally to me and, I, you know, fortunate to, you know, grow up around people like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's how you sort of become a part of the lifeguard family, and I think you're right. It's a, it's a lifestyle, and and you do it. It is one big family, and I've noticed that uh, similar in Australia with the professional lifeguards. So, you know, the the stories that you've got are just um, really, really good, and hopefully, uh, people out there, growing up, uh, listening, one day will uh, want to become a lifeguard and, and get into that uh, as a career. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I mean, the, the family extends beyond, you know, where you work. I've always been, every trip I've had down to Australia, I've been treated so well and made, you know, friends who I haven't seen in years, but um, 
I know I could go over there and, you know, it would be like old times and it's, it's, it's something special to be a part of. That's for sure. All right, Tim, that's, uh, thanks for coming, uh, on the, uh, life's a beach, mate, popping into the, uh, the beach shack. It's, uh, great to listen to your story. And I mean, the last time I was in the U S we, we visited Venice beach on the way back to the airport. And it's sort of a, a funny, but a, 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 a bad type of story, I suppose, but we went there, visited Venice, had lunch. And we're on our way to the airport. We had probably flying out that night, and you wouldn't believe it. We thought uh, we parked the car with our luggage in, in a, a spot which was pretty secure, which you know we thought. But uh, came back, and the, the windows had been smashed, and then the luggage had gone. And next thing you know, we've got um, our passports and everything had gone. And last thing I remember is getting back on the plane with a plastic bag. The, the boardies I got on and, and a t-shirt. And I had to fly back on, basically on my uh, driver's license to get back to Australia. So that was my uh, my visit to Venice Beach didn't turn out as well as what I wanted it to be. But you know, but going along that coastline of Santa Monica and and through Venice Beach and all that. I mean, watching how the guys work out of the towers and I think it's a a great uh, setup that you've all got and and, and a. a Credit to all you guys for um, and the girls over there that do a magnificent job keeping everyone safe uh, along those that coastline for people going to the beach. Yeah, I really. I'm sorry to hear about your Venice story. Next time you come out, we'll we'll take better care of you. <laughs> no, I thought I just throw that in, but I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's great. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great country, great place to visit, and you know, I mean, you get that anywhere you go. You know, you get that at Bondi Beach. You get people come down from all around the world. They leave their bag, they go in for a swim, come back, and next thing you know, the bag's been stolen. So you know, it happens everywhere in the world. It's just um, something you've got to be aware of to to be that little bit more vigilant when you um, put your gear down at the beaches. But you know, ninety percent of the time, it's a, a great experience. Yeah, I agree, and. Um Next time you're out here, you, I mean, look us up and I'm always, I'm love showing people around and taking them out on the boat and sharing experiences with fellow lifeguards from around the world. Um, it's something I, I enjoy sharing and, uh, yeah, I appreciate all the compliments there and I'm proud of the, the job that our LA County lifeguards do and, um, I'll keep doing it for another uh, decade or so. Yeah, mate, keep it up. It's, uh, anyway, thanks for, uh, Coming on the show and, and joining us and telling your story, and definitely I'll uh, I'll hit you up next time I'm uh, over there in LA, and uh, I'll get you to show me around, and it'd be good to see you. Yeah, for sure. You, you got an open invitation, so thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Tim, for joining me in the beach shack, sharing your story. Next up, beach banner with Glick. Okay, this week for Beach Banter, it's a pleasure for the first time to have in the Beach Shack, Anthony Glick. Glicky, welcome. Yeah, Hop, thanks for having me, mate. Mate, uh, over the years, there's been a lot of uh, pranks played and this one, you know, with Kerbox, he's scared of heights, but you convinced him to get in the helicopter, so how'd you do that? (laughs) It's a bit of a funny one. I didn't convince him, I forced him and then at the end, I convinced him. Um, there's a bit of a backstory to it about 12 months before that we got a call for you know the shark nets there may be a bit of a shark in the nets so we went out me and box we had a had a good look couldn't find anything 
he dropped me off just by the by the shark nets and i quickly you know put the goggles on had a good look and then i came back up i surfaced and he just was nowhere to be seen <laughs> but so he left you out there the shark net he left me out there for probably about 10 seconds but it felt like 10 hours <laughs> because we knew there was like most likely a shark you know it was a bit scary you've got a little bit of a fear of sharks oh it's not really a fear but it's more like you know um in those situations it's a bit scary i mean you do hear stories but yeah it sometimes they they get to me other times <laughs> not yeah so it was a bit scary it was a bit of a prank played on me i think so i decided to get back on him and that's where the helicopter came in handy <laughs> so you, you organized the helicopter it came and uh, landed up on the I think it was up in the golf course at North Bondi. Yeah, I, I called Box that morning and said, do you want to come help me? Just be my, you know, come take photos with me. We'll go take some photos on the golf course. Took all my camera equipment, all my gear. I even gave him one of the cameras to hold for a few <laughs> minutes. It was like, well played. It was pretty funny. He was not expecting a helicopter to come yeah. land. And then all of a sudden, we're just looking over the cliffs and this helicopter's coming towards us <laughs> and he's just like this thing's gonna crash or something like he's like yeah. what's gonna happen now and just landed and he looked at me and i looked at him and i said we're going up <laughs> and he goes there's no way there's no yeah, way he's yeah, like nah, nah, no chance um took about probably 20 minutes to convince him yeah he was shaking he was worried but i'm very proud of him he he decided to go up with me yeah, it was big milestone for him because he hates heights. Yeah. Absolutely petrified of heights, as are a lot of people. <laughs> so, yeah, we went <laughs> up and did a few circles over Bondi and he started feeling a little bit nauseous up yeah. there, but he managed to do it. Yeah. And, yeah, the rest is history. It was a great, great story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know he um, offline a little bit with him and uh, there was one time we just in those small planes the, uh, with the propellers and, he grabbed hold of my leg. He's hanging on to my leg. So yeah, I know. What, was he feel. hanging on to your leg there? I reckon he would have. I know how you feel. I think my <laughs> my legs still a little bit red from that. A few years later, yeah, he was squeezing. He was like clicky, like <laughs> let's land, let's land. Yeah, he was he was pretty scared. But once we we had done with all of it, we were pretty happy yeah, yeah. and. Yeah, it was a good story. We got some good footage, some yeah. good photos of it. And yeah, a lot of people bring up that memory a lot. Yeah, of the yeah, time. Yeah. So where'd you fly over to, uh, the harbour and around? Yeah, we just like took off uh, like North Bondi, yeah. flew over Bondi, flew over the place where he dropped me in the shark nets. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, look down there. This is the reason you're up here with me. It was pretty funny. It was a beautiful day as yeah. well. Nice waves, I remember. And yeah, then we flew to Maroubra. And we flew back. Yeah. As soon as we were turning around to come back from Maroubra, yeah. like the G-forces must have just made Box feel sick. He's like, I'm going to spew. <laughs> He's like, no, no, I can't do this. And then when we were back on the straight back to Bondi, yeah. he was like, okay, I'm good. Right. I'm good now, yeah. Well, he would have um, he would have hated you for most of that time, and then but he was all good when you landed. Yeah, now we laugh every time we see each other. He's like, "Yeah, mate, someone the other day watched that episode of Bondi yeah, Rescue yeah. and like had a good laugh with them." So it brings up many laughs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's a good memory, mate. It was a great pl prank, and uh, it's always good to see uh, the yeah. panic on Box's face when he gets uh, in the situations. But yeah, exactly. Well, thanks, Clicky, for uh, <laughs> joining me in the beach shack, mate. First time and uh, good to hear your story. 
Thank you, Hop. Thank you. Thanks, Glick, for coming into the Beach Shack. I now answer some questions from the fans. This week's letters from Amy. What is the best part of your job? Well, pretty much it's um, been able to rescue people, help people. That's something that uh, has been quite good over the years. And also, you know, when you've got someone that uh, you need to resuscitate, one minute they're not alive, the next minute you get them back to life. So that's something that's very hard to explain in words, but it's very a satisfying part of the job. And also, I suppose the main reason we all go down there and, and, and do the lifeguard job is the, the lifestyle. It's a great lifestyle. You get to keep fit. You're pretty much uh, from the from the fitness to meeting different people uh, from coming you know, from all around the world. So that's probably one of the main reasons that uh, we all end up being lifeguards. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.